some guys might decide that it's a little too tough or it's a little too hard, it's a little too demanding. I'll give you a little example. I got an anonymous letter from a parent said, you know, we just kind of bummed out this year that uh, the boys only get two weeks off before they start their summer conditioning program. You know, normally they get three. Well, we gave them a week at the start of the semester rather than at the end. But here's my point, okay? It's Division One football! It's the Big 12! It ain't your murals! You got two weeks after finals, you got a week of July 4th, and you got a week before camp starts. That's a month! That's probably more vacation than you guys get. And we're a little bummed out that we don't get three weeks. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Soul Street Coffee. Start your day with a smile. You can visit them at www.soulstreetcoffee.com. And Anchor, the premier podcast hosting platform. Are you interested in launching your own podcast? Please visit them at anchor.fm. Welcome into our coverage of the Southeastern Conference football season. Hi everyone, I am Summer and I want to thank you for joining us. I am pleased to be joining my guys Billy and Kenneth as we cover the best conference in college football. Kenneth has said all week long in our production meetings that for him this is a pop quiz Saturday. With rivalry week coming next week, coaches must have their teams ready to play on Saturday and not looking ahead. Some teams have done well this season, some have underperformed and some of them their grades are incomplete. Here are the games on the Saturday slate. Kentucky at Alabama. Mississippi State at Georgia. Missouri at South Carolina. Texas A&M at South Carolina. LSU at Arkansas and our game of the week, Tennessee and Auburn. And now Billy will give you where the lines and totals open for each game. Kentucky at Alabama. The Tide opened as a 29.5 point favorite with a game total of 57.5. Mississippi State at Georgia. Georgia opened as a 24-point favorite with a game total of 45.5. Missouri at South Carolina. Missouri opened as a 5-point favorite with a game total of 57. Florida at Vanderbilt. The Gators opened as a 30.5-point favorite with a game total of 67.5. LSU at Arkansas. The Razorbacks opened as a 1-point favorite with a game total of 64.5. Tennessee at Auburn. The Tigers opened as an 11.5-point favorite with a game total of 51. Thank you, Billy. And after this brief commercial break, I will be joined by Kenneth for his analysis for each game. In the next segment, we will go through the first part off the Saturday slate. We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbeau and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm Changing the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport. To live lives of purpose, passion and platform. Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star, Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information, please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org. Welcome back, everyone, and I am pleased to be joined by both of my guys, Billy and Kenneth. Before I bring in the best analysis in the game, let me say hello to some incredibly special people. 
And a special hello to our good friend Ole Miss Evie. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site at The Rebel Walk. Also, hello to our dear friends Ms. Donna and Ms. Kathy. Let me give a shout out to our good friend and former Texas A&M quarterback David Walker. If you have not done so already, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of his book. I'll tell you when you're good. And now, Kenneth, let's get you in here and break down these games on the Saturday slate. Thank you, Summer. Always a pleasure to be on with you and Billy um, as we break down the best conference in college football, and that is the SEC. We call this a pop quiz weekend, like you said in the opening, for one very specific reason. We're going to learn so much about the 12 teams that are playing, and we know the Ole Miss and Texas A&M game had to be postponed due to the um, Aggie still um, below the threshold uh, due to COVID. So let me kind of just set the stage for for all the listeners, and thank you once again for taking the time out to to listen to the podcast. Can't tell you how much um, all of us here at the Crunch Time Sports Network uh, truly appreciate each and every one of you. So, before we get into the breakdown, let's let's just take a look at some of the teams that we feel going into uh, this Saturday's games that we feel really good about. No surprise at the top of that list is Alabama, 6-0. and um, All of those, with the exception of the Ole Miss game, coming by Mike Tyson knockout. Coming in at number two, the Florida Gators, who will be facing the Alabama Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game um, here in a few weeks, provided we don't have uh, either a severe COVID outbreak or something really, really crazy happens uh, to the Gators between now and then. Some teams that have some incomplete grades. That would be the Auburn Tigers, who are 4-2. and two. Arkansas, who's 3-4. and four. Kentucky, three and four. Some teams who have extremely been um, disappointing as far as what their expectations were. LSU, Tennessee, and leading that list, the Georgia Bulldogs. So, as we kind of start to set the stage for what we expect to see in these ball games. Those are just some of the teams where I feel like we feel really good about as far as what we've seen from an analytical standpoint and an on-field performance. Some teams we're still in a gray area trying to figure out, you know, which way are they're going to trend these last couple of ball games and the teams that's been really disappointing. Now, I'm going to say this because it's very important as an analyst who looks at the games the way that I choose to look at them. I would tell you that the two teams who have taken the 
steps to get ready for next year that I would feel really good about uh, their quarterback situation going into next season. Believe it or not, the Vanderbilt Commodores uh, with starting Ken Seals throughout this entire COVID season, this young man has gotten, let's say the average uh, offensive plays that you run is anywhere from 60 to 65 plays. He's run all of those plays in live game action. And that is something that you cannot simulate in practice. You're not going to be able to simulate it um, in spring practice if um, we're able to have spring practice the way that we traditionally have it. And you're not going to get that kind of understanding of what your quarterback can do and can't do in game action without putting him in the fire, so to speak, and forcing him to kind of grow up. Now, Seals hasn't had a great season, but he's gotten the kind of reps that will absolutely help him going into next season. If Alabama fans remember this, I said about Mac Jones, I didn't care as an analyst whether he won the game against Auburn or lost it. He needed to get all of those reps the week of practice and in the game to find out did he have that mental makeup to be a starting quarterback in the SEC. He's proven that in spades this season, and it's only because he got forced into action against Auburn and had a really great um, three weeks of practice leading into the bowl game against Michigan, and he came into the season completely prepared. Secondly, the Missouri Tigers. Now, Missouri started the season with the uh, transfer quarterback from uh, TCU. Um, quickly found out that he wasn't going to be the answer for the for the Missouri Tigers. Uh, Sean Robinson is who I'm talking about, and they quickly made the change to their young quarterback, Connor Bazelak. Connor, in his appearances, completing about 69% of his passes, about 220 yards, right around eight yards per attempt. Not setting the world on fire, but good enough. I think if Missouri is able to get him um, some more some more targets, uh, going into next season, whether it's uh, bringing in true freshmen or hitting the transfer portal, um, that Missouri knows who their starting quarterback is going to be next season. Here's some teams in the East that have not followed that recommendation and should. Now, we understand where Georgia was um going into the game with Florida, still having a chance at the SEC East title. So they got a pass for that. It's time to turn the page in from all the reports that I'm seeing. Um, JT Daniels will get the start on, on Saturday. 
Kentucky, and, and we talked about this on the review podcast. Um, Terry Wilson is not is not the answer. Neither is Joey Gatewood. You got to give Allen an opportunity these last three games. I would start him Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Would not care because Kentucky, you're going to lose by three, four touchdowns regardless of who starts. Give Allen an opportunity to see if he can be your starting quarterback going into next season. Tennessee, we've had this conversation all season long. Jared Garantano. Um, I'm thinking that if Jeremy Pruitt does not start one of the the other options at quarterback, whether it's Hunter Bailey, whether it's the other the other kid, that if Jared Garantano takes another snap for the University of Tennessee, that in itself should be a fireable offense because he's not your your starting quarterback going into next season, and you need to settle this on the field in live game actions, uh, Tennessee. South Carolina, Colin Hill, it's already cost Will Muschamp his job. It's it's time to turn the page because Colin has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the SEC all season long. So it's time to bench him permanently. Can't go backwards. You have to turn the page uh, if you're the University of South Carolina. With Will Muschamp no longer the head coach, there's no excuse or no reason why Connor Hill should be um, taking a snap unless the kid, um, Hinkley, I think, uh, gets hurt or comes down with COVID or something like that. Colin Hill should not take another snap as the starting quarterback for the University of South Carolina. Our first game is Florida and Vanderbilt. Absolutely. And let's start with that matchup between uh, the Florida Gators traveling to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. We know what Caltrass has done throughout the season. We're talking 148 completions, 211 attempts, uh, 2,171 yards, 28 touchdowns. University of Florida, head coach Dan Mullen. You have to now start to get your mind set on playing the University of Alabama. What do I mean by that? The final score in this game should not be in jeopardy past the midway point in the uh, second quarter. You have to now start to establish a running game that you can take to Atlanta and try to go against Alabama with some semblance of a running game. Not the smoke and mirrors, not the um, wide receiver jet sweeps. You're going to have to get into a traditional set, whether it's one tight end, whether it's two tight ends, and you're going to have to have some kind of balance against the University of Alabama in the SEC championship game. Conversely, you're going to have to fix the holes in your secondary. We've seen it throughout the entire season 
that wide receivers are running wide open in your secondary. Georgia missed those uh, deep shots. Um, Bennett wasn't able to hit those in um, the cocktail party game against Georgia. I can guarantee you that Mac Jones is not going to miss Devontae Smith 15 yards wide open in your secondary. You gave up a lot of points against Georgia, who doesn't have an explosive passing game. You got to get that fixed between now and when you play the University of Alabama in the SEC championship game. If not, it can be a very long afternoon for the University of Florida in that ballgame. This game against Vanderbilt is not about the analytics. It's about fixing holes in both your offense and your defense prior to playing Alabama. I would get, if, if the game script goes that way, I would get a lead early on in the first half against um, Vanderbilt. And I immediately pull Trask out of the ball game. You can't afford to get him hurt. This isn't about the Heisman Trophy. This is about what the University of Florida has its eyes set on. That's going to the SEC championship game. That's playing Alabama with a shot of going to the college football playoffs and potentially winning a national title. This is bigger than the Heisman Trophy because if you want to be a legend at Florida, you have to win championships. And Steve Spurrier won championships at Florida, won SEC championships. Urban Meyer won SEC championships, won a national national championship. Dan Mullen, while the pressure isn't on you to win a national championship this year, don't be fooled. If the opportunity presents itself for you to get into the college football playoffs, that gives you a chance to win a national title. So take advantage of the opportunity of this season. Get Trask. Get the lead. Uh, early on in this ball game and yank him out. Start getting some of your other guys ready who may have to have a significant role against the University of Alabama in the SEC championship game. Our next game is LSU and Arkansas. Summer, this game, and Billy as well, this game intrigues me for a lot of different reasons. We've seen this line um, flip from... Arkansas being a one-point favor to um, when we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Now, LSU's favorite by, um, in some books, um, as many as one and a half. And we understand that Arkansas is dealing with some uh, COVID issues. Um, We know about head coach Sam Pittman um, being um, unable to coach in this game on Saturday due to um, his coming down with COVID and hopefully um, Coach Pittman, we we all here at the uh, Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network 
hope that you get well soon and you're able to be back on the sidelines because you have done a fantastic job for the University of Arkansas. Who cares about what the record is? The fact that you've gotten some conference wins has been extremely significant for your team. So hopefully for for you, you're able to make a speedy recovery and you can get back on the sideline uh, for these final couple of games uh, with your Razorbacks there. Felipe Franks, um, you're going to be my player to watch in this ball game. Um, you've had a really solid season thus far. Uh, 138 attempts, um, I'm sorry, completions, 202 attempts, 1678 and 16 touchdowns through the air. Um, you've been helped out tremendously by uh, Traylon Smith at the running back position for the Razorbacks. Um, he's going to need to have a very important role, or should I say a very significant role in this ball game against the Louisiana. Louisiana State uh, Bayou Bengals. LSU on the flip side. Um, this defense that you bring to the table um, is not just bad, it's historically bad for um, LSU standards. And there is no way that I'm going to um, kind of step around that. You've given up a ridiculous amount of points uh, thus far this season. You, on average, give up about 30 offensive points per game. There's only three teams in the SEC that's worse than what you are on defense as far as offensive points allowed. Missouri, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss. Bo Pelini is absolutely on the hot seat as the defensive coordinator for LSU. And if all reports are correct, Alabama in the LSU uh, game is going to be rescheduled for December 5th. So that's going to be um, two weeks from two weeks from now. And then the following week, you have a makeup game with Florida. You haven't faced, and I'm talking about the LSU Tigers, you haven't faced a top five offense yet in the SEC. And these are the type of numbers that you've given up. What are you going to give up against an Alabama and a Florida on back-to-back -back weeks? 80 Offensive points, very well possible. Almost a thousand yards of total offenses, offense in those two games, absolutely possible. It it could get extremely toxic down in Baton Rouge very quickly. And you're facing a team that is good enough to beat you um, at home, and that's with the Arkansas Razorbacks. So what does Arkansas bring to the table? A middle of the pack offense, they score about 23 offensive points per game. 
not fantastic, but solid. Could Arkansas score 28, 31 against LSU? Absolutely. We know that Miles Brennan is um, out for the rest of the season with that um, abdominal wall tear. Um, hoping that young man makes a full recovery and he's able to uh, resume his um, football career uh, next season. But this game for me is going to be a gut check for the LSU Tiger defense. It's my understanding that um, Max Johnson, uh, son of former NFL um and Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Brad Johnson, his son, Max, will be the uh, starter because from my understanding, um, TJ is still suffering um, from, I think it's COVID and a couple of injuries as well. So he's your, he's your, your scholarship quarterback. And if he goes down, it could be, a huge danger for LSU in this ball game. So what does LSU have to lean on in this ball game? You still have Terrence Marshall Jr. who um, is for me kind of an under the radar wide receiver in this conference just because there's so many um, tremendous wide receivers in the in this conference in the SEC. Um, and I'll get to a couple of those later, but Seth Williams for Auburn, um, Shai Smith for South Carolina, and of course, um, Devontae Smith for the University of Alabama. So you're going to have to get Marshall involved in this game very early on in the ball game to take some of the pressure off of LSU because if LSU gets off to a slow start and Arkansas is able to build some momentum early in this ball game, could you see a scenario where the LSU defense absolutely quit right there in the middle of middle of the second quarter? Absolutely. They know that they have absolutely nothing left to play for in this season. There's no chance to get to the SEC championship game. There's no chance to get to the college football playoffs. So what do you have to play for? Not a whole lot. So we're going to learn about Bo Pelini and about this defensive team for the LSU Tigers in this ballgame. No predictions on the game. Um, I would say just kind of monitor the first quarter to see if that gives you any in-game opportunities as far as um, is there a side or a total that you want to take. But as far as pre-flop, um, I don't have a really good sense of how this game script is really going to go. Our next game is Kentucky and Alabama. And a hello to the Houndstooth crew and our good friends at Whitwell Sports. Check out their website at www.whitwellsports.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Title Towel. All right, so University of Kentucky versus Alabama. Again, kind of like the Florida and Vanderbilt game, 
the results as far as the final score and who's going to win this game is not really in doubt for me. I fully expect Alabama to roll and yes, roll big in this ball game. What I want to see from the Alabama Crimson Tide is can you get back on schedule um, missing um, the game against LSU? We understand that that's going to be remade. Having the bye week, so basically having two weeks off, everybody should have had a chance to, to uh, if they had any minor nicks and, and bruises, to get fully healthy um, going into this game against Kentucky. We know that the next touchdown reception for Devontae Smith, he becomes uh, the all-time leading um, touchdown reception leader in the SEC right now. He's tied with uh, former Florida wide receiver and legend Chris Doring, along with Amari Cooper. So uh, I expect Alabama want to get that out of the way early in this ball game, especially because the game is at home. Um, yes, the stands won't be completely filled, but getting that record-setting touchdown um, in Brian Denny uh, would mean a lot to the Alabama program as well as uh, Devontae Smith. So expect to kind of see that um, if the opportunity presents itself, especially early on in the ballgame. I want to see if Mac Jones comes out on fire like he's been in the first six ball games. I mean, Mac has been on a record-setting performance. We know that Kyle has more touchdowns, but believe it or not, Mac still has just as many yards passing as Kyle Trask in fewer completions and attempts. Mac Jones, 139 completions, 177 attempts, 2196. I'll go back and give you Kyle's numbers. 148, 211 uh, attempts, 2171. So does Mac continue to cook at that high number of, and it's a stat that I love looking at, and that's his yards per yards per attempt. 12.3 is where Mac Jones sits at. Uh, Kyle Trask is um, slightly behind him at 10.3. Matt Corral is back in the middle with some, some really good performances for him over the past couple of weeks at 10.8. So does Mac continue his hot streak? I fully expect so um, against this um, Kentucky defense um, who has some liabilities at the at the cornerback and safety spot. If for some reason that Kentucky comes out and tries to blitz early in this ball game, expect to see uh, Mac uh, spreading the ball around to uh, his tremendous core of wide receivers: John Mechie, Slate Bowden, and Najee Harris. And speaking of Najee, uh, let's get back to him for a moment. We know he is currently climbing up the all-time um, list as far as Alabama running backs, as far as 
uh, rushing yardage, does he continue to uh, put up some of the fantastic numbers that he's put up so far this season? 124 carries, 714 yards, and 14 touchdowns. I would expect to see Alabama want to get a lead early in this ball game and start to work in some of their back backup running backs. We know about uh, Trey Sanders being down um, with the uh, car accident. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like it's too serious. Too serious, but it is something that's going to sideline him, from what I understand, the the remaining part of the season. So, does this open up the window for? one of the younger freshmen um, to to come in and get some get some much needed reps. Absolutely, but get Najee his his reps early, get him out, and then start to work in some of those um, stable of running backs that haven't had a chance to get some snaps um, in the first six ball games for Alabama. On the defensive side, you know who you play next week. And that's the Iron Bowl. That's the Auburn Tigers. That's running back Tank Bigsby. Um, So Alabama, go ahead and get your work in early because you're going to see a lot of window dressing next week. So this is a great week to hone in and get your keys, um, making sure that your eyes are disciplined and that you're not going to pay attention to all the candy and really get ready for the Auburn Tigers next week and that offense that Coach Malzahn and Chad Morris led by Bo Nix next week. Now. Talking to some Alabama fans, um, especially since there hasn't been a game this uh, these past couple of weeks, and hearing from a good number of them and their expectations of wanting to see the defense play better, um, which I'll, I'll address that here momentarily. Um, Besides the game against Ole Miss, and and as I told people going into that game, Ole Miss can hang 50 on just about anybody's defense because their weapons are that good. Lane Kiffin as a play caller is just that good. But let's, let's just take a look at the total points allowed in every other ball game that Alabama has played since then. Excluding excluding Ole Miss, open the season against Missouri. The defense gave up 19 points. Against Texas A&M, they gave up 24 points. They gave up 24 points to Georgia. And they gave up 17 points to Tennessee and zero points to Mississippi State. In this day and time, especially this season with no spring practice, no true fall camp, these first four weeks, five weeks, 
was really about getting the communication down and playing fundamentally sound on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Alabama fans, I'm going to shock you with this number that I'm about to give you. Defensive havoc total numbers, and that is tackles for loss, pass breakups, and fumble recoveries. I'm going to give you Alabama's game-by-game numbers in, in that particular category. Opening week against Missouri, 11. Nine against Texas A&M. Nine against Ole Miss. 14 against Georgia. 17 against Tennessee. 16 against Mississippi State. Alabama has 76 defensive havoc plays recorded on the season. Coming in behind Alabama is Florida with 69. And Ole Miss and Arkansas, who have played one more game than Alabama and Florida, come in right behind that number, 66 and 65, respectfully. You would think the Georgia Bulldogs would be very high in that category, and you would be absolutely wrong. Georgia this fantastic defense that we talk about is ranked 10th with 50. Let me double check this number really quickly because I think it's 53. No, I'm sorry, 52. So Alabama is outpacing the defense that we said is the best in the SEC. So if you're getting impact plays on defense if your red zone um, touchdown conversion number which let's take a look at that number because for me that is a very significant number guess who ranks number one in that category alabama this much criticized defense is only allowing their opponents to convert 50% of their red zone trips into touchdowns. That is absolutely phenomenal. So you may get to the red zone, but you're not going to get a lot of touchdowns against Alabama, and that is championship football. Georgia comes in at number two, giving up 55%. On average, between all of the SEC schools, the average is about 65%. So Alabama is 15 percentage points better than the SEC average in that category. I'm sorry, so anybody that is complaining about the Alabama defense and it not being good enough to win a championship, Frankly, I would have questions to what is it that they think that they're seeing or not seeing from this Alabama Crimson Tide defense. Because it's not about how many yards you give up. It's how many points you give up. And if you're not giving up points, you're in the game. You're in every game with an opportunity to win. And with the kind of offense that Alabama has who can score on one, two, or three plays, your defense is playing more snaps because 
your offense is just that lethal to where they can put up 45 on anybody's defense. Final stat that I'm going to give you is points per drive. And this has been a huge stat for me all season long. Georgia sits at the top spot. Coming in at number four is Alabama, 1.9 points per drive. Just to give you an idea of what the average is, the average is about 2.3. So you're not giving up a lot of points per drive, but your offense is scoring a lot of points per drive. So Alabama in this season, you have an opportunity to win not only another SEC championship, but another national championship. Our next game is Mississippi State and Georgia. In this game against Mississippi State, Georgia, you have now the opportunity to turn the page um, Great story with Stetson Bennett, but now it's time to turn the page. You're going to go with JT Daniels in this ballgame. I think it would also be a tremendous mistake not to get in Dewan uh, Mathis in this ballgame because if you don't, and if for some reason at the end of this season, if Dewan's not happy with the opportunity to compete for the starting job and he transfers i.e. Justin Fields and goes on to another school and has a really successful uh, college career. I can't imagine the amount of criticism that Kirby Smart is going to be under um, at the University of Georgia. You didn't get Trevor Lawrence. You had Justin Fields, and you blew it. Now, he's about to be the number two overall pick in next year's NFL draft. And could you imagine Justin Fields and this Georgia defense, what they could have accomplished this season? Could you have competed a lot better against Alabama and Florida? Certainly. Not saying that you would have won either one of both of those ball games, but you definitely wouldn't have gotten embarrassed in both of those ball games. And it's time for for Kirby to start to um, have to address some of those questions. So, what are we expecting out of JT Daniels since we really haven't seen him all season? Let's go uh, back to scouting report. As you can hear me probably turning some of the pages here. Um, from our preseason uh, write-up on all of these uh, players in the SEC. JT Daniels, uh, redshirt sophomore, six foot three, two 210 pounds, University of Southern Cal Trojan transfer quarterback. Above average arm, quick release, accuracy, we don't have a great read on because we didn't see enough snaps from him. Not mobile at all. 
Um, we had his last 40 time at about a 4.85. So you're not going to see a lot of zone reads or anything with JT Daniels. So that's the scouting report. Not a lot of meat on that bone. So we don't know what to expect out of JT Daniels. Before that announcement was made, uh, we were already set to take the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs to cover that 25-point spread. With J JT being in a ball game, we're going to pump the brakes on that until um, until kickoff, and we see the first two drives. And if you follow us on Twitter at time underscore advantage, as soon as the second drive is over for the University of Georgia, we'll instantly send out a blast saying take Mississippi in the points or or not. So be on the lookout for that. Zamir White, we've questioned um, him as a running back all season. If I'm a University of Georgia Bulldog fan, I want to see more of Kendall Milton. I want to see some more of James Cook in this ballgame um, from the running back position. And honestly, I would not be surprised to see both um, Dewan and Carson Beck possibly get some snaps in this ball game because the final result, the final score should not be in doubt in this ball game, Georgia. But if you play anything like what we saw um, when you took on Kentucky in that ball game, come Sunday, we're going to have a lot of questions about where this program is under Kirby Smart. Because the only thing that you're playing for the rest of this season is to develop your quarterback going into next season. Because make no mistake, Florida has now caught you in the SEC East. And Dan Mullen is only going to get better as they get another year of recruits in and they develop more of what he wants to become on both sides of the ball. Georgia, we've, we've said all season long, the other 22, I'm sorry, the other 21 positions um, other than quarterback, you have a top five team in the nation. You don't have that at quarterback. You haven't had that at quarterback since Matthew Stafford left Athens to go to the Detroit Lions. We've heard for years about all of the talent there in the state of Georgia. Why have you not been able to recruit a top-level quarterback to come to the University of Georgia? And then when you finally get one, why do you not 
give that young man the opportunity to become a true bona fide five-star quarterback at your university? This is a question that I am going to put firmly in the lap of Kirby Smart because you can recruit every other position, but you can't get the most critical position in all of sports. That is the quarterback position. We need to see this offense look a whole lot differently than what we've seen in the first six games. I don't care if JT Daniels throws five interceptions on five passes. You need to start developing a downfield passing game because that lining up in I formation against Alabama, against Florida, is not going to get it done. And if you don't start to make that transition this season with the last three remaining games that you have on, on the table, Kirby Smart, I will go on record right now in saying that you would never get to another national championship game and certainly would never win one because you can't develop a quarterback there in Athens. Our next game is Missouri and South Carolina. Absolutely. Speaking of um, head coaching changes in the SEC, and that's going to be a a theme here um, for our last two breakdowns. I'll set the I'll set the stage for the pod, uh, the Sunday review podcast from last week. So, somewhere around 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, I got a got a text message saying, um, "Hold off on on your review podcast. Um, we're we're going to have some news uh, later on about a head coach in the SEC." My initial thoughts that Jeremy Pruitt was fired, but it actually turned out to be Will Muschamp. So, Will Muschamp is out. Let the speculation of Hugh Freeze uh, coming to Columbia begin. I will tell you that um, Hugh Freeze is still under double secret probation from the universe um, from the uh, SEC um, office there in Birmingham. Um, I'll remind listeners that uh, before Hugh took the job at Liberty, Nick Saban wanted to hire Hugh Freeze as a analyst at the University of Alabama and was told in no uncertain terms that's not going to happen by the SEC. So Hugh takes the job up at Liberty and has done a fantastic job. Has that probation uh, period been lifted yet? We don't know yet. Uh, Another name that I'm hearing um, that could be a candidate for that South Carolina job is Louisiana head coach uh, Billy Napier, um, who has done a fantastic job um, and has some SEC roots as well. So that's another name to look out for. the other name that I've heard is um, the head coach for Coastal Carolina, and forgive me for not knowing his name. I haven't had a chance to look uh, look up all the information about Coastal Carolina. I'll do that on the Sunday Review Show uh, for sure. So this ball game, we have a coaching change 
Uh, we've already seen some opt-outs for South Carolina. This is all about Missouri for me in this ballgame. Uh, Missouri opened as a a slight favorite in this ballgame. We've seen that line creep up to now almost um, a touchdown. I fully expect Missouri to go in there, get the win. Like I said, this isn't about analytics. This is about the optics. And if Missouri plays to the level that they can play at and put South Carolina away with um, a couple of touchdowns early in the ballgame, this game could get completely sideways for South Carolina very quickly. So, um like I said, sometimes it's not about the analytics. It, it's, a, it's about the optics. And right now, the arrow is pointing up for Missouri. It is pointing down for the University of South Carolina. Our final game of the week is Tennessee and Auburn. Guys, this is our game of the week. Absolutely. In summer, we made this ball game our feature game of the week. Not because it's a great matchup, because it's not. It's because of some of the things that could start to to transpire um, if this game goes uh, badly. This is a must win for the University of Tennessee. And I'll I'll just give you a little little slight preview here. Um, The groundwork or as I've called it on Twitter, the backstabbing at the University of Tennessee has already begun. Uh, You've seen some things leaked out uh, that should have been confidential at Tennessee, and it's kind of starting to turn the fan base um, against Jeremy up there. Um, This offensive line who... um, and I, I was on record saying that this was one of the most talented offensive line uh, in college football and certainly in the SEC. They have not played up to up to that standard. The quarterback situation um, with Jared Garantano has been an absolute nightmare. Um and yet they've remained um, committed to him being the starting quarterback, which, like I said, it has not made a lot of sense to me whatsoever. Um, What we see now is a systematic failure with, the University of Tennessee, and that has been an issue with this program for over a decade now. And I'll just kind of kind of set the stage this way. From some very reliable sources, I've been told if this game gets out of control and Auburn embarrasses Tennessee on Saturday night on the plains to not expect 
Jeremy Pruitt to be fired on Sunday, but don't be surprised if it happens. Auburn brings in two dynamic running backs in Tank Bigsby and Sean Shivers, um, who can absolutely run it downhill and do a fantastic job of presenting all kind of problems to any defense, especially one that's not playing well. Their three-headed monster at wide receiver is equally dynamic, and that is Seth Williams, Anthony Swartz, and Eli Stove. Bo Nix has actually played extremely well in in his last couple of ball games, so I, I got to give the young man credit. Um, his last performance against LSU. Um, 18 for 24, 300 yards, and uh, three touchdowns. So he's feeling really good about um, his last couple of um, outings um, as the uh, Auburn quarterback. I honestly can only break this game down in the way that I see it, like I said, from an optic standpoint and an analysis standpoint. And there is not a game script that I have played out to where Auburn does not win this by double digits. And I could easily see Auburn winning this game by 14 by 17 points against Tennessee. The Tennessee offense, there's not a a lot of meat on that bone um, from a production standpoint, from an execution standpoint. All the metrics, all the metrics say so. Their defense, I said um, a couple of years ago before Jeremy Pruitt took the job, um, the talent that he coached as a defensive um, coordinator at Hoover High School um, right outside of Birmingham, Alabama, had more um, NFL talent on it in high school than what he's had in three years in Knoxville. That's not a shot at Tennessee. That's just how bad this program has been for the better part of 10, 12 years. And Tennessee uh, fans think that there's a magic bullet that um, if they replace Jeremy Pruitt, that they can bring in somebody from their past to return Tennessee to what they were back in 1997 when they won the SEC championship in 1998 when they won the national championship.
that podcast, if Jeremy Pruitt is fired this weekend or uh, before the end of the season, that's already in the can, and that's a a, a uh, radio term, um, because I have all of that information clearly ready to go, um, and I will lay out all the things that went into place of Jeremy being fired. I'm gonna name the co-conspirators who um, played a part in in it. And it is a systematic failure from the top down. And that is starting with Phil Fulmer with some prominent boosters, uh, former players, um, and some of it is also on Jeremy for um, not having found a better solution at the quarterback position um, and developing that. But like I said, this has been a systematic failure throughout the entire um, Tennessee ball program. So my expectation for this ball game, um, Auburn rolls and they roll pretty comfortably in this ball game. I, I think it's a two-score um, game for sure. And if you can finagle that line down um, for entertainment purposes only, um, that's a great chance to, to really feel uh, extremely comfortable about um, the results of this ball game. Thanks, Kenneth and Billy. I also want to say thank you to Ole Miss Evie for joining Kenneth this week. I will be back with Billy on Saturday morning to provide you with the weather forecast for all the games and Billy will give you a final look at the line movements that he has been tracking all week just prior to kickoff. Be sure to head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. Please give a follow to our good friend Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site at The Rebel Walk. We are also proud to support our dear friend Rachel Barbo and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative, for more information, please visit www.imchangingthenarrative.org. Be sure to check our good friends at Whitwell Sports. Their mission is simple, to provide the best product and service to their customers. They take great pride in their company, their commitment to customer service, and in the product they sell. Their website is www.whitwellsports.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Title Towel. Be sure that catch Kenneth breaking down the game of the week in the SEC on the Southern Gentleman Sports Show with the Georgia Dog, Pac-12 Dave, Noel Core, Irish Bill, Tiger Mike, and Miss Callie Cash on the Ticket 850 where you can stream the show at www.wearesportsradio.com. Also be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at time underscore advantage. In closing, we want to say thank you for listening to this preview for this weekend's games. And remember whether it is the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, or the English Premier League and coming later this fall we will be covering basketball for the SEC and Ohio Valley Conferences. Because we are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network and we are here to help you find your sports advantage. Be sure to check out our Saturday podcast as we will give you the weather and line movements in all of the games right before the games begin. For Kenneth and Billy, this is summer and a wonderful day.